Well, good morning once again. It's been a while since I have said anything publicly about trees or plants, and some of you know about my nerdiness and fascination with them. <laughs> I see you, Sandy. We, we, we've talked a lot about this, right? Um, but I, I just believe that trees are absolutely fascinating. And I've read a number of really interesting books about them over the past few years. And one such book, I, I've mentioned it before. Uh, I've, I've, I read it in 2019, and then I read it again last year. But it's a book entitled The Hidden Life of Trees by Peter Wallaben. And to lead into our discussion this morning, I just want to share a story from that book. It's actually the, the opening story in that book. And one day, Peter was walking through one of the preserves of old beech trees in the forest he manages when he noticed a patch of strange-looking mossy stones. And he stopped, and he bent down for a closer look, and he noticed that they had an unusual curve to them. And so he, he carefully lifted up the moss, and he found tree bark underneath the moss. What he found wasn't actually a stone. It was actually wood. It was wood, old wood. And he was surprised by the hardness of the wood because typically it only takes a few years for beech wood lying on the damp ground to just break apart, completely decompose. And another surprise came when he couldn't lift the wood, couldn't pull it off of the ground. It was attached in some way. And so he pulled out his pocket knife, he scraped away at it until he got to a greenish layer, which was another surprise. The color he saw is the type of green, the type of color you only find in chlorophyll, which makes new leaves green. Reserves of chlorophyll are also stored in the trunks of living trees, which meant only one thing. This wood that he had found was still alive. And suddenly he noticed that the remaining stones, as he thought they were, they formed a certain pattern. And what he stumbled upon was the gnarled ancient remains of an enormous tree trunk. The vestiges of the outermost edge were all that was left. And since the interior had totally rotted into humus long ago, this indicated that that particular tree was probably four to 500 years old. The mystery was, how could the remains of this tree trunk cling to life after all those years. Living cells must have food in the form of sugar. They must breathe and they must grow, at least a little bit. But without leaves and therefore without photosynthesis, this would seem to be impossible for a tree to do. This tree must have been getting assistance from neighboring trees 
specifically from their roots. And so one thing was clear above all else to Peter. The surrounding beech trees were pumping sugar to the stump of that old felled tree to keep it alive. As scientists have continued to study trees through the years, they have found that nutrient exchange and helping neighbors in times of need isn't the exception among trees, it's the rule. And this has led to the conclusion that forests are like super organisms with interconnections that are similar to ant colonies. And I find this just absolutely fascinating, but also very profound. I truly believe that the more that we can come to understand God's creation, the more we come to understand God himself and also others. Allow me to read this short excerpt from this book. But why are trees such social beings? Why do they share food with their own species and sometimes even go so far as to nourish their competitors? The reasons are the same as for human communities. There are advantages to working together. A tree is not a forest. On its own, a tree cannot establish a consistent local climate. It is at the mercy of wind and weather. But together, many trees create an ecosystem that moderates extremes of heat and cold, stores a great deal of water, and generates a great deal of humidity. And in this protected environment, trees can live to be very old. To get to this point, the community must remain intact no matter what. If every tree were only looking out for itself, then quite a few of them would never reach old age. Regular fatalities would result in many large gaps in the tree canopy, which would make it easier for storms to get inside the forest and uproot more trees. The heat of summer would reach the forest floor and dry it out. Every tree would suffer. Every tree, therefore, is valuable to the community and worth keeping around for as long as possible. And that is why even sick individuals are supported and nourished until they recover. Every tree is a member of this community. So what does all of this information have to do with today's sermon? I believe that Galatians 6 may help answer that question. Galatians 6, we'll look at verses 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. As Christians, we are all part of a community. We all make up the body of Christ. And, and yes, we have different gifts, different talents, different strengths and weaknesses, but we work together for the sake of Christ. When we see someone during their moment of weakness, we're called to draw near to them. We're called to assist them by helping to bear their burdens. Yet 
Paul is clear that we also, at the same time, we need to consider our own weaknesses so that we aren't pulled down to stumble as well. And this is a universal principle. We all understand it. We, we, we come, into contact it, uh, come into contact with it in more ways than we might think on the surface. For instance, with the airlines, before a plane takes off, one of the stewards gets up front and gives a safety demonstration. And they warn that in the incident of the cabin losing pressure, that an oxygen mask will pop down from the ceiling. And then they say that if you are traveling with a minor, if you are traveling with a child, make sure you've got the mask on your face first so that you can then assist them. Because if you don't have the oxygen getting to your lungs and your brain that you need, and you're trying to fight with someone who is fighting you not to put a mask on before long, you're going to be in trouble. You're both going to be in trouble. And you, you, you just you need to make sure that your own needs are covered so that you are more readily available to assist others in their needs. And as I shared with trees, the strong and healthy trees, they can assist with the weak, sick, and even dying trees. But if a sick tree tries to help another sick tree, then both trees will end up dying. And the same goes with us in our spiritual life. If we are going to help someone in their burdens, we need to make sure that we, like the trees, are firmly rooted. Firmly rooted. Rooted where, you might ask? Rooted in Christ. We begin with the the roots that are within our heart. Without a constant and intimate connection with Christ, it will be impossible to love others as we are commanded to do. We can't do this on our own. We hold grudges. We get annoyed. We are impatient. But the Spirit of Christ in our lives can keep us going forward, can give us patience, can give us more love than we ever thought we would be able to give forgiveness. So my question for you this morning is just simply, are you in communion with Christ? Are you in constant communion with him? Is your heart at rest with peace? If you aren't experiencing that peace and comfort, then I'd like to share a few verses with you. And once again, if you aren't experiencing this peace, and it's just a daily struggle, then maybe get out a piece of paper, get out your phone on the notepad, or maybe take pictures of these following verses because I believe that they will be an immense help to you. They've been an immense help to me over the years. Reflect over these verses through this next week and see what comfort they might give. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. 
God is glad to carry your burdens and to give you the strength that you need, the strength that you can't find within yourself. His goal is to set us free from all of our different yokes of bondage. Isaiah 58, 6, is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. It's not God's will that you should be crushed down with excessive burdens. Won't you let him free you today? Break those yokes. Break those bonds. Listen to these words straight from the mouth of Jesus. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus will remove your heavy burden of guilt and hopelessness and offer you in exchange true rest in him. I guess I'm not going to the next slide, y'all. <laughs> I'll give it a second. Otherwise, we're gonna fly through a bunch of slides all at once. There we go. Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. God promises to support you, to aid you in every trial, any trial. Sometimes we face trials from the outside. They just, they just come at us. But are there ever times in your life where maybe you are facing a trial of your own making, of your own wrongdoing, and then you feel guilty about asking God for help, asking God to help you out of it? I want to assure you that even in those instances where we have made the mess for ourselves, God still wants us to cry out to him, and God is still going to help us. Maybe that's the, the learning experience that we need not to make the mistake again. But God, regardless of how you got into whatever terrible situation, he wants to be the one to lift you out. Is your hand outstretched to him? 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I don't know how many of you need to hear that this morning. God cares for you. He cares for you. Just knowing that your heavenly father cares about you personally can it, just that knowledge in and of itself can help lighten the load, the burden 
that is weighing you down. You just got to remember that you're not alone in this fight. The devil's going to lie in your ear. He's going to tell you that you are alone, but you are not alone in this fight. This isn't in my notes. I wasn't planning on talking about it, but I feel like I should say it because it goes along with that. But just yesterday, one of my best friends, he, he called me out of the blue, and I could instantly tell in his voice that something was wrong. Something was terribly wrong. And essentially, as we got into it, he, he just straight up told me, I have for the last two weeks, I have just had crazy anxiety, and I've been having these panic attacks, and I, I don't know what to do. I can't sleep at night. I have no energy during the day. I feel like my, my mental health is just falling apart. And he started talking about different instances that he was going through, and as I was listening, I, I couldn't help but smile because I know I've been very open and frank with, with many of you all, even from the pulpit. But a couple of years ago, I was in a very, very similar position. And I was struggling on a daily basis, and it seemed like there was no light at the end of the tunnel. But through prayer and through conversation and being open, talking to a therapist, taking a hold of my own mental health and finding what are my weaknesses? What are my triggers? How can I, you know, help alleviate some of what I'm doing to myself? I'm in a much better place. And I realized in that moment, as I I started talking to my friend, I started just sharing some of the things that I went through. And he instantly was like, that sounds so much like what I'm going through. And so I was able to give him some advice, give him some pointers. And one of the things that he said near the end of, of the phone call, he just like breathed out this breath. And he said, you know, I felt really alone in all of this. I didn't think anyone else would be able to relate. And so I, I want to encourage you on two different fronts here that if, if you are struggling, don't just hold it in. Definitely don't keep it away from God but don't hold it in. Talk to somebody. Be open about your struggles. But then on the flip side, just remember that some of the things that you might be going through right now that seem terrible, that seem horrible, that seem like there is no light at the end of the tunnel, you don't know how God could possibly use this horrible situation for good, Just know that a day may come, a time may come when you can reflect back on that. You can share your struggles with someone else and it can offer them hope and encouragement. God cares for you. The devil wants you to think you're alone in this fight, but you are not. Isaiah 46, four, even to your old age, I am he. And even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. That's a lot of work that God is offering to do on our behalf. The Lord desires to constantly, constantly support you throughout your entire life. And he has this this end goal. The end goal is saving you eternally saving you eternally. 
We must get to the place in our Christian walk, in our Christian experience, where we can find full fulfillment in Christ alone. We must allow his grace and love and strength to be the thing that fuels us, keeps us going forward. And now, this brings us back to our scripture reading for today. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When God has lightened your burdens, he asks you then to be willing to do the same for others. And if you're feeling a, a sense of obligation or a sense of guilt, and that's what's pushing you towards serving someone else, I would encourage you to spend some time in prayer about that. Because God does not lead in guilt, but in grace, in love. God does not use coercion to get us to follow his way. Guilt is caused by sin, but a desire for repentance comes from the Holy Spirit. When your sin or mistakes make you feel guilty, that is a golden opportunity, a tremendous opportunity to turn your negative emotion, in this case, guilt, into a positive reaction, which is repentance, repentance. Remember, God is for you, not against you. God is for you, not against you. And he has gone to great lengths to demonstrate just how much he is for you. After you fuel up and you grow in intimacy with the Lord, you will find that strength and excitement even about serving and striving to carry another's burdens will start to come naturally. Naturally. Now, as verse one reminded us, we need to remain humble when walking alongside those that are struggling. Even if maybe they're struggling with something that we haven't struggled with for years. We've gotten past that thing. It's easy to, to slip into that trap of thinking more highly of ourselves when we are surrounded by another's shortcomings. But remember, God allows suffering for many different reasons. He uses times of suffering to break chains in our hearts, those yokes of bondage to wickedness. He allows suffering to purify us and to bring us closer to him. And he allows suffering to strengthen us in discipline. So suffering is not always a sign that you are doing something wrong. Suffering is not always a sign that someone else is doing something wrong. Think about Job, right? I mean, was Job doing anything wrong? The Bible refers to him as a perfect man, yet he faced a lot of suffering, a lot of suffering. Don't find yourself talking like Job's friends 
(laughs) or Job's wife. Sometimes we suffer so that God can prepare us for something greater. Don't judge someone else's burdens. It's easy to look from an outside perspective and then to create our own narrative, our own opinions about why someone is suffering or what they must do to get out of whatever that difficult situation is. But if I can be blunt, that is a lie. That's a lie. We usually don't know. Usually even when we ourselves are suffering, we might not know why. What's the core issue here? What is this leading to? I also believe that often we put too much pressure on ourselves. And that keeps us from stepping out to help others, to bear someone else's burdens. Do you realize that we are not called to pull others completely out of their suffering? We, we aren't called to do that. Instead, we are called to walk alongside them and help carry their burdens. This means that, you know, we, we've got to hop down into the trench beside them, maybe take up a shovel. We're meant to help carry the load. We are called to love those with heavy burdens, but not completely take them away. We can't take away everybody's pain. And the truth of the matter is that that is God's job, not ours. It's God's job. I've had the privilege of being there for some of you when you have lost loved ones. And I remember I used to always get so nervous when somebody was dying or I got that phone call that somebody had died. But I realize now that the reason for that was because I was putting too much pressure on myself. Because of my personality, I am naturally what's called a fixer. A fixer. I want to be able to completely fix a problem. And if I can't, then I feel like I'm a failure. I feel like I'm letting everybody down, including God. But the thing is, people grieve differently. And it's not my job to take away anybody's pain or to end their grieving. It's my job to help bear their burden and to pull alongside them in their time of need. I was once given some very wise advice, and it has stuck with me ever since. I was told that when people go through a loss, they aren't going to remember the things that I said. They aren't going to remember the specific Bible verses that I shared. But years down the road, they'll remember that I was there. They'll remember my presence. And that, I believe, is what bearing one another's burdens looks like. When we stand beside a brother or sister in a time of struggle, we are 
living out the calling from our Heavenly Father. We are told to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But what what specifically is this law of Christ that we are called to fulfill here? The answer is found in the Gospel of John, and it comes directly from the lips of Jesus. We'll get there eventually, y'all. My hands are just too sweaty. (laughs) John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you. This is a hard one. (laughs) That you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. As difficult as it might be, We, as Christians, are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. We must serve others, and in doing so, help carry some of their burdens. So what does that actually look like? How can we we put this principle into action? Because as I mentioned, we can't always just take away their pain, take away their suffering, Take away the entire burden. What are we to do? We've got to be the support that they need, however they might need it. And it's going to be different for different people and different situations. But we have some examples, I think, from Scripture that can give us some guiding light, some principles to follow here. In Exodus chapter 17, we find a story that took place while the children of Israel were in the wilderness. The army of Joshua was battling against the army of Amalek. Moses, Aaron, and Hur, they went way up on the top of this hill, overlooking the battle. And in verse 11, it says, and so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek, prevailed. Talk about pressure. Can you imagine holding a staff in the air for that long? All day, your muscles would begin to quiver and burn. Your fingers would grow weak, grow numb. But the moment you then lowered your arms to get some relief, your people began to lose. They began to die. Moses was in a a very precarious situation here. Verse 12 says, but Moses' hands became heavy, so they, his buddies up there, Aaron and Hur, took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Moses could not displace the task that God had commanded him to do, the role he'd been commanded to fulfill. But it was up to his friends to help give him strength when he was in pain, when he was feeling weak. His friends, they came alongside him and noticed that they didn't take the staff from him and say, Moses, we'll hold this for you. They didn't do that. 
They allowed him to continue holding it, but they supported him as he followed God's call. In doing so, Israel won the victory over an entire nation. And another great example of what it looks like practically to bear someone else's burdens, it comes from John's gospel, specifically chapter 11. Jesus, he receives word that his friend, his good friend Lazarus, is sick. He doesn't just have a cold. I mean, he's, he's very sick. He's dying. And before Jesus arrives on the scene, Lazarus dies and his corpse is placed within a tomb. And then Jesus asked where the body was laid. Can I see it? And so the friends and family of Lazarus took Jesus to the spot. And I'm just gonna read a few verses here from John 11, 38 through 44. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who is dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Can you imagine what Lazarus must have been thinking in this moment? He, he walked out of this tomb, this cave, where he had been dead for one, two, three, four days. Four days. The grave clothes are still wrapped around his face and his body. It must have been difficult for him to walk. And he wouldn't have been able to loose himself. He's sitting there, he's wrapped up like a mummy. But he's alive. He's waddled his way out of the cave. And it was in that moment that Jesus gave Lazarus's family and friends the call, the blessed opportunity to help bear Lazarus's burdens. Jesus worked the miracle. Jesus was the only one that could raise Lazarus from the dead. But he left it up to Lazarus's friends and family to unwrap the dirty clothes. This is God's call to us. This is his call to us. We are called to hold up the arms of our friends and unravel the grave clothes of our brothers and sisters in need. We carry another's burdens when we humbly come alongside them and support them wherever they are in their walk with God. We must remember, though, that God is the true deliverer. God is the true deliverer. It's up to him to ultimately alleviate the pain, alleviate the suffering, remove the burden completely. Our job is to support them. 
to be a positive presence, to pull alongside them and to point them to the one who can deliver. Carrying another's burdens does not mean to take away all their pain. It simply means to hold them up, be there for them, and point them to Jesus. Christ is the one who can ultimately deliver. Christ is the one that can take away all the pain. But by loving them, by pulling up alongside them, bearing their burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ. He takes over from there. Now, I want you to think about those who are suffering in your own community, in your own neighborhood, maybe in your workplace, maybe in your very home. How can you reach out to them and hold their hands up in the midst of pain? How can you help them to unravel the dirty grave clothes of their brokenness and sin? And so my final question for you today is this. Do you want to fulfill the law of Christ? Do you want to fulfill the law of Christ? Do you wish to love others in the same way that Christ loves you? Bask on that. Think about it. If you do, then part of that means simply bearing one another's burdens. If that is you, if that is your wish, if that is your desire, if that is your goal as a Christian, as a follower of the way, then please study those verses that I read near the beginning of the sermon. Reflect on them. Pray about them. And hold God to his promises. He keeps his word. He keeps his promises. And for those of you that are already experiencing the peace and comfort that comes from constant communion with Christ, then I think it's time that you start putting your words into action. Put your words into action. It might not be comfortable. It might not be convenient. But he has called you to bear the burdens of your fellow human beings. Lift them up when they are feeling weak. Help them peel away the dirty grave clothes from their old life. Be there beside them in their burdens, in their grief, and in their pain. Walk them gently to the feet of Jesus where we all can find ultimate deliverance. Do these things, dear friends, and you will be fulfilling the law of Christ.